0: Hi, welcome back to Weber County's Greatest Generation, and this is Kim Dixon. I have some great news. The book, The Weber County's Greatest Generation for 1943, is that the publishers right now being printed. There will only be a few copies available before Christmas, so if you would happen to want one, if you would just message me on my Facebook account, Weber County's Greatest Generation, there's going to be a short time flip between trying to get him back, so let me know as soon as possible. Thank you. The price will be $60 including tax and shipping and so um, just let me know if you want one. One thing I did in 1943 that I didn't do in 1942 was to add an index. So there's an index that will show you exactly um, who's in the book and on what page they're listed at. So that should help a lot. When I started um, Weaver County's Greatest Generation back in 2014, there wasn't a lot of interest in World War II. But uh, as we've gotten through the last few years and got to the 75th anniversary of Pearl Harbor in 2016 to the 75th anniversary at the end of the war this year, I've seen a lot of interest. There is a website out there called full3.com and it is um, done by Ancestry, where military records are kept. I checked today, and there are over 576 million records, and there are more added all the time. I first found it when I started um, researching Weber County's Greatest Generation. I've used it ever since. Last spring or summer, I saw an article on KSL about an effort called Stories Behind the Stars, and the creator is Don Milne. And his goal is to make sure that all of the stories that those who died in the war from Utah are available. I contacted him and volunteered to make sure that all of Weber County's stories are on Fold 3. He's also um, have a lot of volunteers for this thing. And so if you would like to volunteer or you just want to see what it's all about, just go to storiesbehindthestars.com. So as I've been busy getting the stories on, I came across another project that is going on that I'm not familiar with, but it's called Path of Honor, and they are also putting the stories of Gold Star soldiers on full three. So today's story actually comes from them. So I'm sharing parts of the story that they put on, as well as some other research that I found while I was um, doing the story. So today our story is about Staff Sergeant Ernest Frank Barron, who was known by Frank. He was born on June 26, 1921 in Pocatello, Idaho. Sometime before 1930, his mother took the family and moved to Ogden at 321 24th Street. In 1940, Frank's mother Blanche married Eugene Thurston of Ogden, and the family moved to 1920 Grant Avenue. Frank graduated from Ogden High and worked as a chef at Ross and Jack's Cafe, a nice eatery located at 364 25th Street. Like millions of patriotic Americans in the shadow of December 7th, 1941, who wanted to do their part, Frank registered for military service in 1942, February. He was sent to Shepherdville in Texas for his basic training and then to Harlingen Army Gunnery School where he graduated as an air crewman and earned his silver wings. In May of 1943, before he went overseas, he was able to take a shirt furlough back to Ogden and see his mom. He was assigned to a B-24 Liberator and the B-24 was introduced in World War II in 1941 through 42 and was touted as having a modern design with a high aspect ratio wing. Don't ask me what that means but these wings gave it a high cruise speed, a long range, and the ability to carry a heavy bomb load. As compared to the B-17 bomber, though, it was considered difficult to fly and had poor low-speed performance. It holds the record as the world's most produced bomber, and it was used extensively in both Europe and the Pacific, including the bombing of Japan later in the war. The Liberator had a crew of 10 men, the pilot and co-pilot, the bombardier, navigator, engineer radio man, nose gunner, ball gunner, waist gunner, and tail gunner. Frank was assigned to the 329th Bomber Squadron, the 93rd Bomber Group in the U.S. 8th Air Force, and more based out of Hardwick, England. He was assigned to the crew and the bomber called the Lady Jane after the pilot's Ralph W. Egley's wife. He was assigned as one of the gunners. So the first mission that they were assigned was on August 1st, 1943 and was called Operation Tidal Wave. It was a strategic bombing mission to hit nine oil refineries around Polesti, Romania. The blueprint for the whole raid was drawn up by Colonel Jacob Edward Smart, who had followed the details of an initial attack on the target by a small group of B-24 liberators. The B-24s had faced minimal encounters by the Luftwaffe, and so it was assumed that more groups of B-24 bombers could inflict heavier damage in a shorter amount of time. The plan was to send in a swarm of B-24s. This mission was part of the World War II oil campaign, and Ploesti was among the major oil producers in Europe, with 30% of the Axis fuel supply coming from its refineries. The Air Force wanted to take a shot at this to Cripple Hitler's fuel supply and handicapped the Axis war machine. So normally, the B-24 will carry a 5,000 bomb load, um, and the aircraft can range up to 2,850 miles, and it weighed 56,000 pounds when it was loaded. For the Polesti mission, it was around 2,100 miles from North Africa to the target and back, and the B-24s were given increased fuel loads, with fuel placed inside their forward bomb bay to make sure that they had enough fuel. That left the aft bomb bay to carry the bombs, and they were either six 500-pound bombs or four 1,000-pounders, plus also some incendiary clusters to drop. In addition, some of the B-24s in the lead were giving a pair of 50-caliber machine guns fitted in the lower nose to be fired by the pilot to help suppress enemy ground-based defenses, and a few of the aircraft even carried twin 50-caliber waist guns. All would be needed in the upcoming battle. This plan included 179 B-24s who would take off from Benghazi, Libya, in North Africa. Benghazi had recently been taken from Rommel, and so this would be the first battle to come out of uh, northern Africa. They would enter southwestern Romania and turn east to locate their predetermined checkpoints. The plan was to strike all the targets simultaneously. The crew of the Lady Jane arrived in Benghazi in July of 1943 and they trained by flying low altitudes. Frank and all of the gunners practiced shooting at a ground target while they were flying at more than 200 miles per hour. Since the plan was to surprise the Germans, they were required to keep strict radio silence. They practiced bombing without the use of radio, relying only on visual signals. Going back to the Path of Honor story, in the early morning hours of Sunday, August 1st, 1943, the desert air around the airfield at Benghazi filled with the sound of four-engine bombers starting up, and Frank was in the Lady Jane. He would have checked and rechecked his Browning 50 caliber machine guns to ensure that ammo was full, and he would place the extra for easy reload. However, what the Air Force didn't know was that German General Alfred Gertzenberg had, following the initial attack, fortified the defenses around Ploesti, In fact, his defense system comprised of hundreds of high-caliber flak guns, 38 anti-aircraft guns, and several other low-caliber guns was among Europe's most rigid defense network. The small-caliber guns were all concealed in damaged cars, haystacks, and mock buildings on the ground. They were ready. So the Lady Jane joined the other B-24s in the 329th bombing squad and then with the other groups that made up the 93rd bombing group. The groups headed toward the Mediterranean, the first track toward the target. The group totaled 179 B-24s that carried 1,790 men. Once the flight had started, 15 bombers aborted the mission for various reasons and returned to base. That left only 164 planes for the bombing mission. Lady Jane's crew was assigned to Section C, which was a 13-plane flight of B-24s assigned to hit the target White 3, Standard Petrol Block Refinery. Four of those 13 aborted the mission on their way to the target, leaving only nine B-24s to finish that mission. The pilot had his hands full flying the plane in the assigned position of Tell and Charlie and was the last bomber in the formation. The best way to relate what Frank and the crew of Lady Jane experienced is related by a veteran who was there. On the website, eyewitness Bombing Raid on Ploesti, 1943, Captain Philip Artery describes the account from the co-pilot seat. We were very close behind the second flight of three ships. As their bombs were dropping, we were on our run in. There in the center of the target was the big boiler house, just as in the pictures we had seen. As the first ships approached the target, we could see them flying through a massive ground fire. It was mostly coming from the ground, placed 20mm automatic weapons, and it was as thick as hell. The first ships dropped their bombs squarely on the boiler house, and immediately a series of explosions took place. They weren't explosions of thousand-pound bombs, but of boilers blowing up and fires of split-open firebanks touching the volatile gases of the cracking plant. Bits of the roof of the house blew up, lifting to a level about the height of the chimneys, and flames leaped high after the debris. Next, the second of three ships went over coming in from the left and dropped partly on the boiler house and partly on the cracking plant behind, more explosions and higher flames. Already the fires were leaping higher than the level of our approach. We had gauged ourselves to clear the tallest chimney in the plant by a few feet, but now there was a mass of flames and black smoke reaching much higher with intermittent explosions. We found ourselves at that moment running a gauntlet of tracers and cannon fire of all types. It made me despair of ever covering those last few yards to the point where we could let our bombs go. The German anti-aircraft defenses were literally throwing up a curtain of steel. Captain Artery then described the horrific crash of the plane that was next to them as it went down in flames. Going back to the Lady Jane, the crew was battling in every direction. They must have sustained heavy damage and crewmen were likely killed or wounded at their positions in the B-24. But Lady Jane reached her target and dropped her bombs. A crewman on another aircraft witnessed what happened next. This aircraft, which was the Lady Jane, crashed and burst into flames from an altitude of 300 feet. Another report states that the Lady Jane crashed near Ploestri, a village north of the refineries. This mission was described as one of the costliest for the U.S. Air Force in the European theater, with 53 aircraft and 660 crewmen lost. It was proportionately the most costly of any Allied raid in the war, and the date was later referred to as Black Sunday. On August 14, 1943, the Standard Examiner reported, Armory reports Staff Sergeant missing. Word has been received that Staff Sergeant Ernest Frank Barron, son of Mrs. E. L. Thurston, has been missing in action in the Middle Eastern War since the 1st of August. The last word received from him was on June nineteenth that he had arrived at his destination overseas and was well. On October 27, the paper reported, Romania reports Utah killed in bombing raid. Word has been received from the Romanian government through the International Red Cross that Staff Sergeant Ernest Frank Barron, son of Mrs. E. L. Thurston, reported missing on August 1st, was killed in action on that day. Staff Sergeant Barron was a crew member of one of the bombers which made a devastating attack on the Romanian oil refineries, declared to be one of the largest and most efficient bombing missions of the war. Survivors include his mother and stepfather of 1920 Grant, a sister, Mrs. Edna Peer of Ogden, and his father, Jean Barron, and another sister, Mrs. E.C. Swoom of Stockton, California. His fiance was Miss Marjorie Jorgensen of Ogden. On October 28, there was an editorial written in the Standard. When the Telegraph informed us that the oil fields of Romania had been blasted by our American Air Forces, we did not know how important this news was to Ogden. In that attack was Sergeant Frank Barron, and yesterday word was received that he had made the supreme sacrifice. He was an Ogden boy who gave his life for his country. We all owe a debt to him and the other boys of Ogden who have lost their lives in the war. This is a debt we cannot repay, but which we are in duty obligated to acknowledge. Those boys have given so that America may go on serving civilization as a country devoted to liberty. On January 5, 1944, at a ceremony held at Hillfield, Frank's mother was given the Distinguished Flying Cross, awarded to Frank for his actions during the bombing over Ploesti. The citation read, Staff Sergeant Barron's heroic and meritorious actions during the bombing operations over famed Ploesti, Romanian oil refineries, in the face of fierce anti-aircraft and fighter plane resistance. He also received the Purple Heart. Five years later, on May 23, 1949, an article in The Standard reported, Graveside Services for Staff Sergeant Ernest Frank Barron, a son of Mrs. E. L. Thurston of 1920 Grant Avenue, who was killed in the Romanian oil refinery bombings on August 1, 1943, will be held Wednesday at 1 p.m. in the Ogden Cemetery with Bishop Thomas E. Chequets of the Third Ward officiating. Military honors will be accorded by the Corporal Fred J. Grant post-1481 of the VFW. The family will be at Linquist & Sons Funeral Chapel Tuesday evening from 7 to 9. This operation was actually deemed a failure, and there are lots of books, articles, and YouTube videos, another great source of information about why. But Michael Hill, in his book Black Sunday, suggested three significant impacts of this raid. One was the loss of Romania's only aviation fuel production at their target, Blue. This diminished Nazi Germany's aviation fuel resources and eroded the reserve that supported their new pilot training, making it more difficult to train new pilots. Second was the need for the Germans to transfer ground forces from other parts of the war to reinforce the defenses at Ploesti. Third was the psychological impact on the enemy. They had witnessed the great effort American forces had put into the attack. The coordination, the significant numbers, and the losses that they took underscored the immense capacity of the Allies that they would be forced to contend with. Colonel John Kane, who was also at the battle, wrote a tribute to the fallen at Ploesti. It is carved on a stone in Bucharest, Romania, dedicated to all of the American flyers who lost their lives over Romania to the fallen of Ploesti, to you who fly on forever, I send that part of me which cannot be separated and is bound to you for all times. I send to you those of our hopes and dreams that never quite came true, the joyous laughter and showery tears of our boyhood, the marvelous mysteries of our adolescence, the glorious strength and tragic illusions of our young manhood, and all those that were and perhaps would have been, I leave in your care out there in the blue. John Riley Kane, Colonel, U.S. Air Force. Staff Sergeant Barron was 22 years old. He was one of 25 Weber County boys that died in the war in 1943. So that wraps up another one of our stories. Um, Check out Stories Behind the Stars because it is really an amazing effort. And if you have some time, maybe you'd like to volunteer. Thanks.